Hello and welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 139. I have the wonderful Sarah Rhodes joining me on the show today. And uh, Sarah's been a member of our community for a while. And what I love about uh, bringing Sarah on the show today is it's kind of going to act as a bit of a warm-up thought for Plastic Free July, which is coming in just a few weeks. I know I just said that July is coming in a few weeks. Um, But also to just share how all of us can turn the knowledge that we gain as we progress uh, and become more aware into either our work or into more meaningful uh, things that we do outside of work and family to move the needle and move us forward on things like the climate crisis that the, the planet is experiencing at the moment uh, and, and, and really do that on a community level and also be inspired by someone who's decided to do it on a bigger level. So Sarah, back in 2014, attended the intensive training program on climate leadership, which I'm about to attend in about three weeks up in Brisbane. Um, It's facilitated by Al Gore, the former US Vice President, and uh, she then became a member of the Climate Reality Leadership Corps, as I'm about to do. And, uh, you know, that was obviously like an exciting thing to talk to her about because I I have a shared interest in that particular thing. But what I was especially interested in doing was talking about her journey from just being someone who wanted to challenge themselves with Plastic Free July um, and then the quest to avoid all those single-use plastics for a whole month and then what that sort of transpired to become was a move to Cambodia and now not just uh, setting up Plastic Free Cambodia but Plastic Free Southeast Asia. Uh, So it's a a transformative kind of time in the past few years of Sarah's life and I really wanted to bring this to uh, share with you the story of how everyday people are doing the uncommon in this space and really creating incredible change around the world. Uh, And so I hope you enjoy my chat with Sarah, um, because I did. (laughs) Um, But before I hook into that, I just wanted to remind you that we now have, we're now well into this wonderful month uh, being supported by Etitude. So for those of you who missed last week's show, and please go back and listen to it. It's on adaptogenic herbs with the wonderful 25-year career span naturopath, Anthea Kalouris, she, oh, she's wonderful and we've had so much great feedback about last week's show. And actually about three weeks ago when I had Jason Horolak on the show, you guys have gone nuts for that one as well. So if you haven't heard either of those two, um, definitely head back. Uh, and then so much amazing feedback actually on Charlie Arnott's show a couple of weeks ago, Regenerative Farmer. Really uh, amazing to hear people who uh, have farmers in their family playing the show, helping them see that there might be a different way to do things. So that's really exciting. Um, But back to Etitude. So Etitude are a lifestyle brand of beautiful bamboo bedding, sleepwear, bath essentials. And I know the word bamboo gets bandied about quite a bit as like a a super green low-tox option. Sometimes it is. 
Sometimes it is not. Sometimes there are some very harsh chemicals used and it can end up being quite unsustainable. But if you go for Etitude, they're using the the world's first lyocell fabric made from 100% organic bamboo uh, and then you are dealing with a beautiful sustainable product. And a lot of people who buy their sheets or their um, pyjamas say that they're really just so silky soft and my little man's doona covers are from Etitude and they are very silky soft. So I definitely encourage you to take them up on 15% off off your first order. So this is only for people in Australia who have never ordered before. Um, Your code is LOWTOX15, nice and easy to remember. And your um, URL is etitude.com.au forward slash LOWTOXLIFE. And that'll give you um, the special page that they've created for us for you to pop your code into the um, the shopping cart. So Bamboo Lyocell, I just wanted to also mention for our vegan listeners, is known as Vegan Silk because it's plant-based, obviously, and, you know, the silk industry is another whole minefield of is this, um, uh, is this kind to the silkworms, is it not? Uh, and there are two very different types of products out in that market as well. So if you want to just simplify your plant-based purchases when it comes to your bamboo sheets, then there's that aspect as well. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I just think it's a wonderful brand to support. They're doing right by people and planet. Uh, and uh, and the, the product is really, really lovely. So that's my little shout out to Etitude and without further ado, I'm going to hook into this wonderful conversation with Sarah. Enjoy. Hey Sarah, how are you? Hey Alex, I'm really good thanks. How are you? I'm super well, thank you and I'm thrilled to have you on the show today representing the wonderful plastic free Southeast Asia, just a nice small kind of area that you're interested in there. (laughs) Um, I want to first start by talking about how you sort of moved from being uh, an advocate in your personal life to taking this to become a more professional undertaking because I think a lot of people who do the Golotox e-course or, you know, or whatever awakening one might experience thanks to joining great communities online these days, quite often one of the things we start thinking about as we head to work every day is like, oh, gosh, like, I really don't like the waste here. I really don't like the CEO's management of um, climate issues. I don't like the fact that I work for an oil company or a food processed company. You know, all those sorts of things start to become really, really painfully obvious to many. And, uh, and they seek to figure out a way to make this knowledge part of the work they do in the world, which I think is just awesome. And I'm looking forward to sharing more and more stories like that uh, as as we go on the podcast, because it helps people join the dots for how they go mm-hmm. from a personal interest in these issues to a professional interest in these issues. I think the more of us that can do that, the better, right? Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, and uh, and a couple of key things happened for you that were really instrumental in you uh, stepping up um, and making this your work, your life's work. Uh, one of which was the amazing Plastic Free July by Rebecca, and I've popped in the show notes today the link to the show that I did with Rebecca last year because uh, it's such yeah. a such a good one. A good one. Yeah, yeah, and um, and also Al Gore's. Uh, 
a conference where he teaches with a, a team of people people how to become climate change advocates and activists out there and and give presentations and uh, it's such an inspiring thing and I'm really looking forward to heading to this year's one I'd love to hear your experience um what led you there for a start because uh, it's a pretty big undertaking to take three whole days out of your life and go to a conference and and what really changed for you once you went through that training yeah um, yeah, so, so as, as you've um, alluded to, uh, it was really a personal passion of mine. I um, remember back in the days working at the South Australian Tourism Commission and I was the one saying, remember to take your keep cup to the coffee shop, <laughs> um, and <laughs> all of that kind of stuff. And I really, you know, um, tried to do what I could in my, in my personal life. And I think through part of that, yeah, like you say, like connecting with communities and I'd signed up to, you know, numerous um, newsletters and, and when I was still living in Australia, I, I donated to a lot of environmental causes. Um, I feel like if we can fix the environment, then, you know, some other stuff will kind of flow on from that. Mm. Um, and one of the newsletters came through from the Australian Conservation Foundation and it said, would you like to do more about protecting the environment? Would you like to learn with Al Gore about climate leadership and I was like yes of course I do and um, I think I pretty much signed up for the conference on the spot uh, and then anxiously awaited to, to find out if I would be going or not and um, yeah and then it was just yeah it was just fantastic and definitely a very valuable three days spent um, increasing my knowledge and thinking about how I could make this bigger than just me yeah yeah, yeah, and it's such a, a thing that people sort of struggle to join those dots. So it's amazing that we have these resources to help us do that. Um, and and so then I think it's uh, a pretty cool to talk about uh, the fact that you then kind of started doing a bit of climate change um, action work in your community, but then you had this huge realisation around plastics on that journey. So what did yeah. you learn the first month of doing Plastic Free July? Because I think that can be such a, a big month for anyone who does it for the first time. And, yeah. uh, and we can just realise so many things about our plastic consumption. Right, right. Well, which is, which is part of, um, so again, it, like it joins those two programs. So I'd done Plastic Free July just by myself while I was living in Sydney before I moved out to Cambodia. And um, it made a really profound impact on me. Someone like I thought that, um, you know, and I think it was, I think the climate training tra training was uh, around June. So I'd already done the climate training and then I decided to do Plastic Free July and I thought I was already pretty, like nailing it pretty well. I was like, yeah, you know, no coffee cups, um, no plastic bags, blah, blah, blah. And it was a massive eye-opener. Uh, and I thought, well, if it can have that impact on me, like maybe it can have the same impact for people that are perhaps starting a journey of awareness about this kind of thing. Mm. And, um, and so was there anything in Plastic Free July that you were like, oh, my gosh, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that part of it? Oh, I actually, I, I really went in thinking this will be great. This will be a good test. Mm. I think I'll be all right. Um, and then I realised how much I just wasn't realizing that I was using. And then it was like going beyond the top four uh, and digging in a bit more. It's like when I go to the supermarket, what do I buy? And like, is it wrapped in a cellophane plastic packet and all of those kind of things that, you know, I thought 
I was already shopping at local farmers markets. So I thought I was, you know, I thought I was all right. And then just like, just opened my mind up to how much I was using without realizing it. Mm, it really does. And and so how do you get from there to moving <laughs> to Cambodia? Because <laughs> that's a pretty big step yeah. to come out of Plastic Free July and a climate conference. Right. Well, um, it was the move to Cambodia was actually already in the pipeline. Ah, okay. And I remember when I did my application for the climate leadership program, I, I, I said in the application, or maybe even before I did the application, I emailed them and they were very, very responsive. And I, I sort of said, so I know this training is in Australia and obviously the focus is on Australia, but I'm going to be moving to Asia. <laughs> is that all right? And they're like, yeah, of course it is. So um, that was kind of in the pipeline. And that was about, I've been working in tourism marketing for a number of years, which is fabulous like it's great to be able to tell people about amazing destinations that they can visit but it was starting just to feel a little bit empty and I remember working on a particular campaign that was promoting shopping uh, and I yeah uh, with a maybe um a challenging client and I thought oh what am I doing this is not where I want to be I could be using my powers for good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's what it comes down to, isn't it? We've all got gifts and if we can use them for good, then the world is a better place. Yeah, and and that was definitely a moment that I remember very clearly thinking, okay, I've got to shift this. And I'd really had a dream of working in sustainability and tourism for a really long time and you know how – things just kind of happen and you get derailed and I just had a few of these moments where I thought this isn't what my plan was I need to get the plan back on track and and I did find it difficult to switch switch gears in Australia I applied for jobs countrywide I was like middle of the outback no problem anything as long as it's to do with conservation or ecotourism or something and I really couldn't get any headway so I broadened my search to Southeast Asia and found this like fantastic little NGO in Siem Reap, Cambodia, who were focused on connecting communities, environment and responsible tourism. And I thought, that's that's who I need to spend some time with. I need to go and work with these guys and learn what they're doing and, and see what happens from there. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was nearly five years ago, which is also quite astounding (laughs) yeah that's incredible and and so in terms of um how on earth one might lead a low tox or low waste life in a country with no recycling as i know cambodia doesn't have Mm -hmm. uh, and i know like you know when you watch documentaries or you're watching uh sort of short clips online about the the plastic situation quite often southeast asia features in those uh Mm. things around fishing nets and a whole bunch Mm. of other stuff so Mm -hmm. i'm curious to see how it looks on an individual scale first and then we'll go bigger yeah sure um look i mean it's um it's not a piece of cake um but once like once i've figured out little systems or how to get around things it does just it becomes part of my routine and it becomes a lot more easy and you know I guess the idea in Australia of farmers markets well we have local markets in all through Southeast Asia often referred to as wet markets or just the market um Mm. (laughs) and that's 
most people do their daily shopping. Um, you know, people buy, like, still a lot of people don't really have, like, a, a fridge at home and things like that. So they're, like, going and buying their food fresh for each meal that they prepare. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then that's also why plastic bag consumption is really high in these countries because, like, every time people go to the market, there's them walk away with, you know, maybe six, seven or eight plastic bags per visit and if they're going a couple of times per day. Anyway, enough about them. That's insane, uh, isn't it? it? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's not normal or it's not culturally kind of habitual to bring a basket or a couple of bags yourself. That's the funny thing is that most people will take a basket. <laughs> right. And then fill the basket up with like individually packaged things in plastic. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is, yeah, I, I actually just posted about that. Um, I'm doing like a guided, um, guided how to do plastic free with my community at the moment. And that was what I posted this morning. I'm like, how do we change this perception? They're already taking the basket. They've already got the habit yeah. of taking something reusable. So why, why filling it up? But it's, um, I mean, it's a really complex um, combination of, of plastic seen as hygienic. It's seen as modern, mm. um, especially like Cambodia that didn't have access to modern conveniences. Yeah, it's um, such an interesting one, isn't it? It's kind of like China, you know, welcoming McDonald's and KFC and things like that with open arms because it's the exciting American <laughs> modern food and it's just like no please stick to your your plant-based stir fries with the odd bit of meat like that's going to be a much better plan guys right <laughs> like, exactly yeah exactly. Oh, what all of those amazing rich white people have it's like oh no it's not that amazing <laughs> yeah and you know the thing that shocks me is this doesn't these sorts of habits and this lack of consciousness doesn't discriminate like it's happening in developing countries it's happening mm -hmm. in super rich populations happening in poor populations happening yeah. every every single part of society has a collective unconsciousness around yeah. this stuff and it's it's breaking yeah. like you know we've already stopped about 80% of our single use plastic bag usage in Australia since the bag ban last year in July so that's pretty amazing that's um, pretty amazing. I would really like to see how that is on the ground. Like, yeah. I keep seeing all the news reports and thinking, wow, that's, that's impressive. It's so impressive. And as someone who lives in an area where all the affluent private schools are, you know, I grew up around here and I have always been so shocked to see people like drooping in jewels and coming out of woolies <laughs> with like mountains of plastic bags. I'm like, not all the education and privilege in the world can buy you yeah. care for the environment, which is crazy to me. Um, yeah. Because Absolutely. surely the wealthiest, most privileged should have the eyes the most open, but it's unfortunately not the case. And, wow. um, and but now I see those same people got a couple of bags under their arms and they're, you know, they're doing it and they're getting used to it and it's amazing. So mm -hmm. it, it often takes, a, I think, a two-pronged attack, one from the top, so a, a position mm -hmm. of leadership. Unfortunately, our government did not lead on this issue, so uh, mm -hmm. the supermarket chains did based on consumer pushback. And, um, wow. and so now we actually have a really, really fantastic improvement. It's not perfect, but at least it's mm -hmm. headed in the right direction. That's really yeah. what we've got to keep doing. Yeah. It was actually around a very similar time that they imposed a fee for plastic bags. Yes, exactly. In Cambodia. 
Oh, um, right. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, I think um, other other countries around Southeast Asia, Singapore was maybe a year or so ago. Um, there are initiatives in Malaysia to remind people to bring their own bag and that sort of thing. But they, yeah, they imposed a fee in Cambodia, but unfortunately it's um, it lasts maybe a month or two. In Siem Reap, at least, I think it's stuck a little bit better in Phnom Penh. Oh, right. Uh, and then they got rid of it? Yeah, they just stopped charging people. <laughs> and they still just hand out plastic bags like they're going out of fashion. And oh, like, dear. What? What happened here? That was like that was looking really good, and you know, people were like reporting conversations about being behind someone in the in the supermarket queue, and then going, "Oh, paying for a plastic bag? Oh, that's no good. Well, I'll show them. I'll just bring my bag from home." It's like, yeah, yeah, that's the point. Yeah, great. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah, something that really um, bugged me was Target was actually one of the first retailers in Australia to switch to compostable shopping bags a few years ago. They Mm -hmm. had, and and you had to pay 10 cents for them. They had Mm -hmm. then 52 complaints nationally, so an an annual, over an annual period. And of those, those 52 complaints about having to pay for that bag had them reverse it and not only r- removed the more expensive compostable bags that people had to pay for, they just went back to regular plastic bags. And I just think if yeah. you, you know, there would be many more complaints of many different types that would have outnumbered the plastic bag payment. And, uh, and yet you, you use the line, uh, we're doing this because our customers want it. And I think yeah. that is the biggest cop-out of our age. It is the biggest yeah, leadership cop-out. Yeah. Um, you know, this is what the people want. It's like, actually, this is yeah. what a few people want because they're stubborn <laughs> and stayed in old ways, not yep. what the majority of people want and certainly not what the majority of people need and what our planet needs. And I think that's what we need to hold people to now. Yeah. Well, I had a very similar comment from one of the big coffee chains here. Uh, and honestly, like I, I think of our attitudes to plastic a bit like a bell curve, like at the small end of the curve, there's a bunch of people that really, really, really want the plastic stuff for whatever reasons. And then the majority of the bell is people that really are not bothered. They'll just take what they're given. And then the other end of the bell is those of us who are really like, can't you see? We need to stop using this. We need to protect our planet. I really don't want this. And you know, really having to speak up even more loudly to opt out of receiving plastic when we when we go and try and you know have a meal or do our shopping. Mm. It's just it's actually quite nuts, isn't it? That one yeah. would have to defend such an obvious. Mm-hmm. thing yeah yeah oh well on on and on we go it's it's yes yeah definitely exactly. not deterring people like us so that's the main thing <laughs> that's it <laughs> um so given Cambodia has no recycling uh mm. like where does the stuff go that people throw away there where where is it ending up well I think that's the, the biggest most obvious difference um, between somewhere like Australia and somewhere uh, like Cambodia is that um, you see it. It's, it's littered on the streets. It's thrown into the waterways. And, you know, I often say to people when they say, oh, but your country is so much cleaner, I'm like, yeah, we just hide it better. <laughs> 
um, it's still there. We, you know, we're Western countries are sending their waste overseas to Southeast Asia. So they're really just moving the problem somewhere else. So that was one of the really big things when I first decided to run Plastic Free July here is that I'm like, well, it's something we can see. It's something accessible that, you know, people can really hang on to and have to be well off to be able to say no to excess plastic. Um, there is, there is like, no recycling isn't completely true. There is a very small amount of recycling, uh, which is um, a very informal system of things that are collected and then transferred to Malaysia or Thailand for actual recycling. Um, but that's limited pretty much to uh, plastic drink bottles and aluminium cans right. and like nothing else. Yeah, yeah, so the the real low hanging fruit, easiest to recycle stuff. Nothing oh, and it's particularly worth money. tricky. Yeah, yeah, because the systems aren't there to protect the environment. The systems are there because there's a financial incentive. Mm, exactly what we're experiencing here. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, yeah, it would have been nice to see a recycling budget in our budget mm-hmm. yesterday. <laughs> but no, because, yeah, well, we've got the issue where everybody's starting to reject doing our recycling on our behalf, which means we need yeah. to try and figure out how to do it ourselves in Australia. And, uh, yeah, and I know there are several parts of the US that have been shipping recycling over, uh, over interstate and, and all sorts of huge issues. And mm-hmm. the thing that seems to be uh, working the best is to switch from product-based buying to produce-based buying. Yeah. And yeah. then from, uh, from buying everything yourself to either doing a mix or trying to DIY as much as yourself and hooking into yeah. something like TerraCycle. Uh, for anything that you do have that is too hard to recycle by traditional means. And then um, and then from there, just to really start composting, that for me is the biggest reduction in waste that yeah, anyone right. can make. Yeah. Because globally that's the majority of the waste that's going into landfills. I know, so. it's crazy. That little carrot tops, you know, that's yeah. just nuts. Well, it's just a waste on so many levels when it could be doing something really good yeah it could be just feeding the next generation of crops to come up it's so beautiful how nature has that whole thing planned out for us right i know so clever nature yeah so clever (laughs) um yeah so okay so in terms of um the the i guess the barriers of recycling on the plastics front what Mm -hmm. what are you seeing is having the biggest impact in a region like Southeast Asia uh, to raise awareness? What are some of the initiatives that you've come across that you're most inspired by? Um, oh, there's a really, really nice um, zero waste movement that's bubbling up around the region. So we have things like Zero Waste Saigon, uh, Zero Waste Malaysia. Uh, and in Malaysia, I think more strongly than other places, like around KL, more and more um, package-free and zero-waste lifestyle-type shops are popping up. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, and then they run, like, regular events to help people get on board and understand um, how, to, how to do it because, you know, it's a fairly new concept. It's like, okay, so that's very good that you tell me I should make my own deodorant, but how do I make it? Mm. Um, yeah, so there's one, one – well, there's a couple of places in Kuala Lumpur that are really, like, leading the charge on that that I think is amazing. Um, 
but even yeah even through like bali um singapore like all of this kind of stuff is really is really starting to get a lot of attention um, which is great that's awesome and you know we're talking about just the last 50 60 years that it really brew out of proportion anyway so it's not like you know most of our grandparents or parents even remember Mm -hmm. Um, a time when this just wasn't like this. But you wouldn't lead the kind of life where you would find yourselves needing a food court lunch that often even. You know, like, like the whole of life was structured in a way for us to not rely on single use and excessive plastic use in general. Um, so it's uh, it's just about restructuring life. And, and I think because we can't do that in entirely, it's why we need the zero waste shops to start popping up so that they can, like, it can feel like it's new, but it's actually old, but it's helping yeah, us exactly. do it in the concept, in the context of the world we've now created. Right, right. It can be seen as a bit, you know, trendy, a bit cutting edge. So. Yeah, exactly, yeah. which is just funny. <laughs> uh, I was inter- interviewing um, Professor Alfred Poulos on chemicals and in the environmental chemicals a couple of mm-hmm. weeks ago, and he's a gentleman who's retired. He uh, he remembers that you would go to the supermarket and there'd just be huge piles of the sugars and the flowers and things and you'd bring your little bags and fill them all up and and you know that was how he shopped until he was in his mid-20s oh, nice. mm. oh, nice. and now it feels I, funky and exciting and you need to yeah, buy the book yeah, exactly. so yeah it's pretty cool I remember when I was quite young there was a it might have been South Australia only I'm not sure if it was in other parts of Australia uh, but there was a real like it was a budget supermarket uh, called Bilo <laughs> and oh, they I remember had, that yeah loads of bulk bins and then you know someone put in a scare about hygiene and they all disappeared and it's like uh that was really good actually yeah (laughs) nanny state to the rescue (laughs) or not (laughs) i mean that's like definitely one blessing living in this part of the world is it's like hand over a cup hand over a container and no one bats an eyelid um Mm. i mean there's still some other complexities involved um certain things like rice can't have other food until the moment you eat it which is one that blows my mind um but in terms of being like oh we can't use your container because of hygiene standards like it's it's none of that yeah super relaxed yeah that's good um do you have (laughs) tips like because obviously some people are just starting out Mm -hmm. in their own lives and maybe they live in areas that are a bit more remote or countries where this hasn't Mm -hmm. taken off at all some some of your best and most uh favorite personal tips for reducing a dependency on recycling in the first place Mm -hmm. Uh, for me normally start by working out like what's available in my area yeah um you know, not necessarily just going for the obvious because there's a big shiny supermarket, um, but like, is there a local market? Can I start there? And and then and then just building on that. You, know, you don't have to do the whole thing in one giant leap. That's not practical, and you probably give yourself a headache. Um, but just like building, putting, adding new bits in as and when you can, when you find new options. Um, so that's, I mean, that's certainly how. How I started and then just really being aware of what am I buying what am I buying what do I need am I buying it because I'm seeing it do I actually need that thing or can I find that thing in a different packaging can I find it in a 
a glass jar that I can then reuse to, um, you know, buy something loose from the market in later. Uh, yeah, it's difficult without having, you know, a glass recycling system, but the glass jars are just so handy for so many things. Oh, they're so awesome. I'm yeah. a complete addict. My son has started doing the dishwasher emptying as one of his jobs and uh, it, it only took him two weeks into the job to kind of turn around to me one morning and go, Mum, do we really need all these glass jars? I was like, don't you dare suggest <laughs> such a thing in my house that we would not need them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, and just, and just starting from there. And, you know, one of the, one of the first things that I did when I – was starting out is that um, there's this really uh, nice couple and there were a couple of other people that came along too, but there's this really nice couple that run a vegan um, blog here in Siem Reap and we were just chatting on Twitter one day and then Paul asked, um, so how do, how do you do the market shopping? Can, like, could I go with you one day? And I'm like, yeah, why not? So a group of us went to the market and we just did a, a zero waste shop together. Oh, fabulous. Um, so, yeah, so that could be fun. Like if you've already got a friend uh, who's who's on the path, I just tag along with them somewhere and see what they do and it just makes it a, a bit less intimidating. Yeah, and I think that really raises an issue around how either someone feels ashamed that they're not doing it as well as someone else or they mm. it looks insurmountable so they don't even start. This is an opportunity for connection right. rather than feeling uh, like divided yes, from your friends absolutely yeah. yeah pick as many brains as you can yeah yeah and a lot of people say to me oh you know when I ask the seller for no plastic at the market they think I'm a bit strange and I, and I just say embrace that um that's how change <laughs> happens because they're noticing yeah if you were just like everybody else they wouldn't notice a thing they're noticing that you're doing it differently and that's going to, you know, that's going to start to make a difference on how they look at things. I so agree with that. I think when I started carrying my little cup onto uh, Qantas probably about 10 years yeah. ago now, yes. <laughs> it was honestly as if I was the strangest person in the universe. And then yeah. by about five years in, I started getting, oh, go you, good on you, love, nice one, yeah. you know, every now and then. And then now I see fellow passengers with their own cups or at least nice? <laughs> yeah, at least people online sort of saying, can I take a glass keep cup onto the plane? I'm just checking. Like I'm seeing people doing it more and seeing less people say, oh, no, we can't do that because of hygiene reasons because there's now awareness around the fact that that's not even a law. So people yeah. might say it, but it, actually you have every right to use your own yeah, container. Yeah. And so once Absolutely. people know that who really want to do it, they feel a bit more confident and say, actually, mm -hmm. it's not a law. So if you could, yeah. I actually just came out of my dishwasher or my sink this morning hand washed, right. you know, please, this is what I want my coffee or my yogurt and fruit in or whatever it is people are getting. Absolutely. And it would be really awesome to see, like more companies kind of embrace this and do some stuff with their staff so that the staff are less likely to be like, oh, it's strange and different, unusual, I need to say no. Yeah. Um, but actually be like, oh, okay, right, I've heard about, I've heard about you lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, I, I, know how to, I know how to handle this and be confident so everybody feels a little bit more happier about it than mm. maybe, yeah, 
some of the other stuff we've had some awkward encounters before. Yeah, I think we all have who, um, mm-hmm. uh, those of us who've been at this for a while. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay, we've got uh, people in the community, as I mentioned right at the start, who were like, how can I do more? How, mm-hmm. how does that look? And obviously moving to Cambodia and becoming an <laughs> ecotourism and zero waste advocate might seem like a little bit too much of a step for the average person. Not yeah, that sure. I'm calling our low-tox peeps average by any means. Oh, we are extraordinary. However, like what do you see some of the little step-ups that people are making in their own communities around you uh, that could sort of inspire people to take that next step themselves? Yeah, some of the really great stuff that I see is people doing small um, like flea market events or clothing swap events. Um, I actually particularly love the seaside scavenge project in australia where oh it's amazing um (laughs) (laughs) so uh what they do is they they organize a community cleanup um it's um normally moves from different location depending which council areas they're working with but there's quite a lot in in sydney area um and they encourage people to come along and pick up trash and then uh you trade your trash for tokens and they've normally partnered with a local cafe or a bar and you can um, swap your tokens for like a coffee or a beer or something like that. But additionally, they get people donating um, pre-loved clothing uh, and accessories and stuff. And so you can also trade your tokens and pick up some new items of clothing or a new handbag or like a pair of shoes or something. Um, and it's just like it just pulls everything together uh, so nicely about awareness of plastic pollution, um, ocean pollution, uh, the fast fashion and textiles element. Um, it's just, yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. But, like, again, that's, like, probably a bit um, high level. But going and participating in an event like that is definitely something that you could do to, to, to do more and to connect with other like-minded people or introduce the idea to your family or a friend or, um, you know, just start to get the conversation happening a little bit wider. I love that idea, the, the word you use there, participating. So quite often if people have collected their information and they've started to become mm-hmm. aware, you then yeah. have this overwhelming sense of knowing it all but yes. not doing much in it yet. And I think the yeah. best thing, that is such a key thing, you don't have to then found the next coolest eco-tech right. company. That doesn't mm-hmm. have to be what this looks like. You can literally go to the Transition Film Super Festival fake. or you uh-huh. could go to the clothing swap or you could right. be someone who posts about the garage sale trail in the lead-up and tries right. to get a few yeah. friends to do it. And exactly. Like, yeah, it, there's so much in place being done by so many good people who need more bodies to be helping that it mm-hmm. doesn't need to be about starting your own business. I think right. that's a really, really key. Um, it's sort of twofold, really. Some people just mm-hmm. aren't suited to business ownership. It is quite stressful, mm-hmm. trust me. <laughs> and <laughs> the second thing is um, there is there is so much, there are so many good initiatives that simply need more energy put into them to become parts yeah. of existing teams as a volunteer right. or or taking mm-hmm. a job with. So, yeah, yeah. participating, Even, so good. Yes. Mm. And, yeah, you articulate that so well because I've had a few people ask me lately, what can I do to help? And I'm like, 
yeah, be involved. Um, talk up. Comment on comment on the Facebook group posts. Uh, sometimes you know, sometimes it can feel a bit like, hello, is anybody out there? Yeah. They're like, what can I do? And I'm like, just just be there. Like you don't have to. You don't have to you know, do voluntary blogs or help me with events or things like that. But if you could just like show that the content I'm producing is useful. Mm. That's right. Um, I think people often think, well, this is so massive. There's nothing I could possibly do to move the needle. But, uh, you know, it's kind of, I love that meme where there's the picture of the plastic straws and uh, it's just one straw said 8 billion people. Right, yeah. For me, that is the biggest wake up call for all of us that the tiny yes. things really do matter and anything Definitely. we do matters. And the other one that just um, bubbled up recently, which is we don't need a few people doing zero waste perfectly. We need millions of people doing it as best they can or imperfectly or whatever the terminology was. I'm like, I love that one as yeah, well. So true. So true. Perfection doesn't exist, people. Just get on with nope. being imperfect and doing something. Right. Just yeah. do something. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And uh, given we've got a couple of months to go till Plastic Free July, I know Mm. you've widened your scope from Cambodia to being more broad around the whole Mm -hmm. Southeast Asia. Uh, Is there anything in particular that you're working on for this year that uh, people can get inspired by? Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, uh, a couple of things. So um, my big focus this year will be around uh, the – I call plastic fighter community so yeah getting getting more people you know working working together participating together and supporting each other um and the other is uh, actually around an online course that I'm developing um because often in this region I get inquiries from all over the place like how how do we begin and it's not always practical for and, and I don't think it should all hinge on on me, but how do I share the knowledge that I've accumulated and make it accessible? Um, yeah, so they're the, they're the two sort of big ones in terms of how people can get involved. And then I'm um, also going to be focusing on having, you know, a good community celebration because this will be the fifth Plastic Free July in um, in Cambodia. Yay. So just to really, you know, acknowledge all of the supporters and the people that are doing stuff and have got on board and have, you know, been involved in this since the since the beginning or joined along the way yeah so awesome and Mm. one last thing I want to ask you uh, Mm. because I find this really interesting and I talked about it in Mm. my book but uh, Mm -hmm. I don't think we can get enough perspectives on this to help people really uh, bed down change and so my question to you is what do you believe helps people make changes that stick instead of it just being this month of rah, 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 yeah, I did so well. And then almost like a binge, like a, um, a calorie restrictive diet where when it's done, you're just like want to eat everything on the <laughs> like face of the earth. Um, I, I really am passionate about helping our community, you know, make those changes stick, especially when it comes yeah. to um, waste reduction and, uh, and climate change issues, what do you think are some of the biggest key things for people to be thinking about to continue their habits on into the future? Um, I think just starting, actually, like just getting involved with the Plastic Free July Challenge in itself, it will, it will have a lasting impact. Even when you relax at the end of it, 
Um, which of course, you know, we're like, okay, we're not counting every single piece now. So, you know, if I can sneak that one into the, the trolley, there's things that will stick. And especially if you participate more than once, um, I often say to groups that I'm talking to, like, it doesn't just have to be July. Um, you know, you could do it twice a year. Um, and, and build on what you've learned. So I think just starting and not being um, worried, again, about like not being worried about being perfect or doing it perfectly. Like, I don't get through Plastic Free July without a single piece of plastic. It's just um, I'd love to, but I don't think it's a realistic target to set. Mm. And if we if we do what we can, then it's more likely that those habits are going to stick. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Rebecca chose uh, you know, a month long challenge mm. because it is really like when you're doing something day after day for 30 days or 31 days, as is July, um, it helps you form a new habit. You will start, you know, remembering to take your, your travel mug or your keep cup to the coffee shop. Um, and those things will stick. And even if you forget once afterwards, like it's still a habit that's, that's become built in. So don't let one stumble stop you from you know, starting the next day fresh and, and having another go at it. Yay, such good advice. And <laughs> I want everybody who's listening today to head to the show notes uh, because we've got resources from Sarah for the uh, Southeast Asia region, but also some Australian stuff that you can hook into and make sure you subscribe so that when Plastic Free July comes up, you'll be getting their emails. Um, but I also want everybody to write down the next thing you are committed to reducing your plastic usage in because I think there's nothing like being inspired by seeing other people's ideas and there's some really random stuff mm. that comes up I stupidly decided to publicly say that I was going to be doing a couple of things last year just before the book came out and the book tour started and then oh, of course that was sorry. really not the time to <laughs> learn how to grow my own sprouts and make goat's cheese um mm -hmm. <laughs> So uh, I'm newly invigorated by my desire to figure out those two things and get it happening. And, uh, and so yeah. I will be writing that in the comment of the show notes to get us all started. So I would love to see what other people have in store for themselves as their next little reduction challenge in their household. It'd be really good to see, uh, see that. Yeah. And I will gift uh, our beautiful GOTS certified organic shopping bag um, to a couple of the answers. So head over there and, and pop a little show notes comment in. So nice. Yay. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me, Sarah. I think it's always oh. inspiring to see people take the knowledge and do big things with it and uh, constantly challenge themselves to do bigger and bigger. It's not that all of us feel called to do work like that. As I said, you know, this can really just participation is really the key Mm -hmm. uh, at, at, from our chat today that's really what's resonated with me the most is the, the clarity around the fact that we just need more people joining what already exists rather than feeling yep. like they need to go out there and go gung-ho with their own thing um, and just be amazing and be fantastic so thank you for the work you do Thank you. And thank you so much, Alex. Um, yeah, since I discovered your podcast, like I was saying before we started recording, you've become almost a part of my daily routine. And I <laughs> What are you going to yeah. do when you've listened to them all and then you'll, oh, I... you'll just like have one a week? <laughs> I know that's going to that's gonna be um, tricky, but for, for now it's okay. And like 
I think that I'll go, probably go back and have another listen to the Plastic Free July one with Rebecca because, you know, even her story, the way that she developed it, I can really say it's very familiar to me. I feel like we went through the same, okay, so this is happening now. Oh, no, no, this is happening. Um, but honestly, like listening to, you know, the people that you speak with, you're such an inspiration. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks so much. I love bringing all these beautiful voices to the world. It's, it's just the biggest privilege I have in the work I do, having these inspiring chats. It inspires me to be better. You know, I think if we all keep the conversations open, good mm-hmm. stuff keeps taking place because we're energised yeah. by what we're hearing and discussing together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's why I start my day. Yeah. yeah, getting some good, good energy, good vibes from from over over in Australia from you. Nice. Well, I will keep sending those your way. Don't you worry about that. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much once again. And as I said a couple of times during the show, everybody, please do head to the show notes for more resources and pop that thing that you're going to be doing in your family down so we can all be inspired by each other. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoy having these conversations and bringing them to you. Now, where can you find me and Lotox Life from here on in? Well, you've obviously got lotoxlife.com and there we have everything beautifully organized into food, home, body and mind topics as well as kids and a whole bunch of free downloadables and resources to help you, inspire you to take community action and there's amazing A to Z recipes there if you're ever getting a little bit stale in the kitchen and a whole bunch of articles that I've written. You can also find me on Instagram at Lotox Life and also on Facebook by a page the same name. I make everything super easy, Lotox Life, so you can find it really, really simply. Thank you so much to everybody who leaves a five-star review over on Stitcher or iTunes or wherever it is that you tune into the show. And also to let you know that you can join us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Lotox Life and come join the private Lotox Life Club. In there, over time, more and more cool stuff is about to be added. It's a place where we can continue the conversations, chat about the weekly show, You're going to get bonus Q&A and all sorts of things over time. I explain everything over on Patreon, so I encourage you to check that out. And in the meantime, I'll see you next week. 